Let's open our Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now what Paul is saying here is that the church of Corinth could have a part as well as the Galatian churches. He speaks later on in the book of 2 Corinthians in the 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians, of the churches, moreover, brethren, I'll read verse 1, uh, we do with the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. So there were all these various churches, you don't have to turn to that, but keep your place. All these various churches were having a part in making up a collection for the saints in distress that were at Jerusalem. And Paul says, as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. He wants the church at Corinth to do that. And then he says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So, in order to make up this bounty, he wanted them all to be prepared. This is 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2 now. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. And he says, uh, as God has prospered him. He wanted this bounty to be ready so he wouldn't have to gather it up when he comes. <clears throat> now then, there are several things we need to say about the collection here. First of all, this collection, this particular one, was for the poor saints in distress, the saints in Jerusalem. And if they had sent out missionaries or the people had come, we, we don't say that they directly sent out missionaries, but people were scattered abroad preaching the word from Jerusalem, the apostles and the the people, and carried it to the Gentiles, and the gospel had eventually come to the Gentiles, and Paul especially was a uh, minister and a missionary to the Gentiles, then it would not be anything but right for them to share their spiritual blessings or take their material blessings because they had shared in their spiritual blessings. And to return in their distress, the saints of Jerusalem were in great distress, many poor ones, many in need, due to famines and various things that happened, and due to poverty. And so they were going to send these offerings back to those saints. And Paul was making up this bounty in his rounds uh, as he went from one church to another and covered uh, the whole area of his uh, missionary journeys. He was making this up. And he tells the Corinthians to have a part in it. Now then, we know as far as money is concerned, as far as... Uh, the uh, collections in general were concerned that here it is especially for the poor saints at Jerusalem. But we do find that also we need to say a little more about the money that comes in, that the preachers were to live from the proceeds of the gospel. This is another point that you might keep in mind. If you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, it says, Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 14. And of course, in showing that the ministry is to be supported by those that receive the blessings, Paul in that chapter goes back and he shows how that even under the law, it's written that you would not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. That's verse 9. And he says it was written for our sakes, no doubt that it's written. And then he goes down in verse 11, says, If we've sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we reap your carnal things? And then he tells in verse 13 that those which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple. That was in the Old Testament. And they which 
wait at the altar or partakers with the altar. And then he says in 1 Corinthians 9.14, Even so, just like then, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. And uh, though Paul had not used this particularly for his own support, it was right that it should be that way. Well, now, if you're back in your place, hold your place, 1 Corinthians 16, it seems that now we learn that not only were the preachers to be supported by the money that comes in, but we learn how this money was raised, that it was raised by many churches. And if you have 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 will show you that he speaks of how that this money was raised by various churches, beginning with verse 1. Let me read to you. Moreover, brethren, we do, wit- do you to wit- we want you to witness the grace of God bestowed on the church of Macedonia. Now listen, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power are bare record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. This is the same thing he's talking about. And this they did. Paul says the churches of Macedonia did this. So he's telling about how many churches participated. Not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And he goes on to tell the whole story about it. Now then, Back in 1 Corinthians 16 now, 1 and 2, we also find that not only is the gospel to be supported by the offerings of Christians, and the poor saints were to receive this special gift that Paul was speaking of, but there's also a kind of a precedent set here that it would be on the first day of the week that the offerings or collection would be taken. Now, we know that the offering or collection was received on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, on the first day of the week. We find that in the book of Acts, chapter 20, let's give you that, Acts 20 and verse 7, I believe it is. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break break bread, so this was the normal time for early Christians, New Testament Christians, to assemble. Not like in the Jewish Old Testament Sabbath, like you would assemble on Saturdays, because that was their Sabbath, but upon the first day of the week, wasn't it? A new day, the Lord's Day. And it says they were gathered together to break bread, and Paul preached to them, and so on. So, this offering as well was to be taken on the first day of the week. Now then, as far as Christians giving, they were to give, notice here it says in verse 2, as God hath prospered him. Always hold your place where we're studying, but... Because when I say here, I can't always say go back to our text. Always hold that so you'll know where we're studying. But it says, as God has prospered him. And you know, Christians are supposed to give as God has blessed them. And that's the way that we should give. Now then, to give equally, if we come back to a passage of Scripture you find in Second Corinthians 8, verses 13 through 15. We've referred to it several times already, but not, not these verses. But verses 13 through 15, Paul says this, For I mean not that other men be eased, and ye be burdened, ye burdened, but by an equality, you see that? A equality. That now at this time your abundance may supply, be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. You notice that word several times. As it is written, he that hath gathered much hath nothing over, and he that hath gathered little, had no lack. Now then, how can Christians give and give equally? 
Now, if, if we were to say in the church here, for instance, if you had all the people in the church here and say, everyone in the church, every member, has to get, uh, should give $50 every Sunday. That wouldn't be equality. If you were to say, say everyone were to give $5, that wouldn't be equality. Because some have more income than others. Some are, are better off than others financially. But if you say every man should give his tithe, like God's Word tells us, the tithe is the Lord's, that's equal. If I give ten cents out of a dollar, if I've only got a dollar and I give ten cents, I've given my tithe. If a fellow has a hundred dollars and he gives ten dollars, he's given his tithe. And I believe that God has made an equal way for us to all give. And I, and I believe that actually equality uh, is more realized when people learn to tithe or give a tenth. Now then, if God has tremendously blessed you financially and materially, like you've heard that some men in their great prosperity in business give half of what they get to the Lord. Well, they can do that because they have an abundance coming in. And so then they give us, God has prospered them. They're willing to give more and above that tithe, you see. So for an equality, we know that we must start at least with a tithe, and that would be more equal. If you teach a little child to give a penny out of a dime, you're teaching them to give as far as equality is concerned. If you teach them to give, if they get $50 to give $5 out of it, you're teaching them to give uh, on the basis of equality that the members of the church. And you know, I believe that really and truly, now you may differ with me on this, but I believe that the reason God has blessed this church lately so much and in a financial way is because the church has taken the full responsibility of supporting the pastor. And I really believe that with all my heart. They have taken more concern about that in the last, you know, several months than ever before, and have made it a point uh, and a, a point of concern. And I believe as long as the church does that, and we support our pastor and support our missionaries, not just because I'm on the receiving end, I'm the pastor and I have to tell you these things because I'm the one that's responsible to preach the word. But I would say it if I was a member of the pew, say we have supported our pastor and I believe that that's why God has blessed our church. I could say it just as well out there as I could from here. And it still be saying the same truth. And it just so happens that I'm in a position to have to say it from here. And so that I want it understood that because I'm saying it from the pulpit, I'm not saying it in a, in a uh, greedy way or in a way that uh, I would uh, be on the take from the membership. Because I put mine in the same as you do, don't I? So there's equality with what I give as well as equality with what you give. And as long as the church does that, we'll be blessed financially and we'll be blessed spiritually in many ways. So, uh, here's the, the standard for giving. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. Where it be for the poor saints of Jerusalem or where it be for collections that need to be taken up, if we'll be obedient in giving and do, give as God has prospered, then we will certainly be blessed as a church. Now, if you look at verse 3, And when I come, whomsoever you shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. Paul says, Now, when I come, if you have some brethren that want to go, you're in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 3. Okay? If you have some brethren that want to go with us to make to take this offering, you, you set them aside, 
and the ones that are approved, they can go with us to bear this gift. Now then, verse 4, Paul says, And if it be meet that I go also, they shall go with me. So Paul says, uh, it could be that I will go, if it's necessary that I will go, then I will. they can go with me. Now, I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. Paul was telling here of his journeys, and he says, I'm going to pass through Macedonia, and I, and I will come unto you. But he says in verse 6, And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you. I may stay all the winter, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. So Paul, in speaking to this church at Corinth, says, I may come to you. Let all of his plans depend upon uh, being subject, subject to change if God changed his plans. But he says, I could come and I might even winter, might stay there, that you might bring me on my way, bring me on my journey with the server I go. Now, what did he mean by that? Bring me on my journey. He didn't mean that they would literally load him up in a, a ship or put him in a carriage or whatever the mode of transportation was and literally take him from one place to another. He meant that their support would help him to transfer from one place to another, the church at Corinth, that you may bring me on my journey. See that? Whithersoever I go. Now then verse 7 says, For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you if the Lord permit. Isn't that good? He says, if the Lord permit. It's always, his plans were always laid so that, that if God changed his plans, that they could be subject to change and that they would be according to the will of God. If you look at 1 Corinthians 4, uh, verses 18 and 19, it says this, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 18 and 19, Now some of you are puffed up as though I would not come to you. But he says, But I will come, I will come to you shortly if the Lord will. See that? So he says, Some, some of them... You know, they got kind of puffed up because Paul had not come to them. Paul says, but I will come if the Lord will. So he had to lay all of his plans in view of what God would have him to do. And you and I ought to put that into practice a little more and say, if the Lord will. We can't always plan to do exactly what we want to do. Paul may have felt he wanted to go there. If you're back in your text, 1 Corinthians 16, I want you to notice... In verse 8, he says, But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, verse 9, For a great door and effectual, notice, a great door and effectual door is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. A great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. If you have Acts 19, verse 9, you don't have to turn to these, but just listen to them very carefully. Acts 19, verse 9. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this, verse 10 says, and this continued by the space of two years, so that all that they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord, we had it in our Sunday school this morning, uh, both Jews and Greeks. See, he kept on staying there. All the persecution he faced didn't make any difference. He says, a great door and effectual. You know what the word effectual means? It means capable of producing the desired effects. In other words, capable of bringing people to believe the gospel. And he calls it a great door and effectual. But he says, and there are many adversaries. There are many that oppose it. Now then, 
Here's a lesson for us. That when trouble comes, it doesn't mean we ought to give up, does it? When trials come, when persecution comes, when opposition comes. Now, Paul had every reason to just leave that part of the country, but he stayed there two years on that particular occasion and fought all the opposition and went right ahead doing what God wanted him to do in spite of it. And so, a lot of preachers today, they go to a church somewhere, and if they have a little trouble, they say, well, it's time for me to move on. Well, it's a lot easier to move on than it is to stay, isn't it? And that's why a lot of them move on. Because if you stay, it takes some staying power. I was talking to Brother Shelton about Brother, what's his name down there? Uh, uh, the one, no, the one down in, in Slayton. Summers. He's been there 26 years. Well, we've been here, what, 24 now. Nearly 25. So, the Lord sees us through all these troubles, doesn't he? I'm sure that he could have left many years ago if he, if he thought that just because he had a little opposition, he better take off. Probably the first or second year he'd have been gone. And that might have been true here as well. And through the years it could have been true. But you know, the Lord blesses us if, if we just stick to what he wants us to do. And even this morning, having a blessing of one coming into the church, and we appreciate that. But just think about it. If we'll stick it out, sometimes it's a lot easier to run than it is to fight, isn't it? And if we'll just stick it out and be faithful to the Lord, God will ultimately vindicate you if you'll stay where God wants you to stay and do what God wants you to do. So Paul says there's a great door, an effectual. That means it can produce what God effects, what God wants done. But there are many adversaries. He doesn't say there's a few. There are many. Now then he starts telling in the last verses of this chapter about his different friends. Paul's very close friends. If you look in verse uh, 10, he says, Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be, be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord as I also do. Paul really thought a great deal of Timothy. Paul was the kind of man that was very liberal with his praise of good men. He wanted to honor good men. He wanted them to be thought well of. And he says, if Timotheus, if Timothy comes, you uh, respect him. Let him be among you or with you without fear. Let him have a free hand. Let him be able to do what the work that the Lord would have him do, because he's in the work as I also am. If you turn to Philippians, I believe it is, chapter 2. Let me read a verse about Timothy. Philippians, chapter 2, and verse 19. He says this, But I trust in the Lord... Uh, in the Lord Jesus, to send Timotheus shortly unto you. Now he's speaking here to the Philippians. He says, to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul said to the Philippians, I want Timothy to come. I want to send him there. And I want him to tell me of your state. He wanted a report of how the church at Philippi was doing. He says, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy felt the same way about the, uh, the churches as Paul did. And he says, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own and not the things, not the things uh, which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he has served with me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send uh, presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with, with me. And so he goes on to talk about Timothy coming to Philippi. Now then back in our text, 16th chapter, 1 Corinthians, verse 11. Let no man therefore despise him. 
talking about Timothy yet. But conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren. He says to the Corinthians, to honor Timothy, to respect him, uh, but conduct, conduct him forth in peace, and so on. Now then, when you pick up with verse 12, he's talking about another brother in the church. As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Now then, the church was divided over Paul and Apollos. If you uh, remember how the the uh, book of First Corinthians started, and in the third chapter, you find, well, in the very first chapter, I might say, you find them discussing between Paul and Apollos. The first chapter, verse 12, it says this, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, see, and I of Cephas, or Peter, and I of Christ. So Paul said in the beginning of the writing to the Corinthians, he says, one of you claims I'm of Paul. One says I'm of Apollos. One says I'm of Peter. In other words, I, I follow Peter, and I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. And another one is so bold to say is I follow Christ. I don't follow any of them. But he was still making it a party when he said I follow Christ because Paul and Apollos and Peter all were ministers of Christ. If they were following Christ, they'd follow them and their leadership. So these that were saying I follow Christ, they were just trying to make it look a little more like that they had a little bit of edge on the others that were following Paul and Peter. But if there was division in the church between Paul and Apollos, there certainly wasn't division between Paul and Apollos themselves because this scripture says, if you have your place now, verse 12 of the 16th chapter, it says, as touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come to you. So Paul didn't feel any division toward him, did he? It was just the church. Because back there, in the third chapter, you remember Paul said to them, he says, some of you act like babes in Christ. And he says, I fed you with milk and not with meat, even as babes in Christ, in the third chapter. And that's why he tells them here, after mentioning Apollos, you have your First Corinthians 16, after mentioning Apollos as being a, a, a brother, he says in verse 13, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, Quit you like men. Be strong. In other words, don't be babies like you have been in saying one is of Paul and one of Apollos, but be strong in the faith. Learn to stand fast in the faith and quit you like men and be strong. In other words, grow up and act like men. Gird yourselves as men. Be strong in the faith. Don't act like I previously addressed some of you as babes, but quit you like men. Now, you see the reason for him saying that? Because they had acted like that when they said, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, when he first began to write. He says, quit acting that way like babies. Paul, Apollos is a brother. And now let's grow up and be men. And don't say, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. He wanted them to be uh, strong in the faith. Now then, verse 14. Let all your things be done with charity. What's he saying here? He's saying, let everything that you do be done in love. If you remember that great chapter and we studied it on love earlier, I believe it's the 13th, but it's that love outweighs any of the things. Prophesying or speaking in tongues or uh, all of the things. If a person giving themselves to be burned, he says, and have not love, it profits nothing. Doesn't make any difference what we do if we don't have love. So we must 
learn to have love above all things. We said earlier in our message this morning, if you have two courses to take in life, and if one of them is just a, has just a little more love with it, take that course and not the other. That's the best course to take. Because the Bible says, love never fails. It never will. It never has and it never will. Now then, in verse uh, 15, it says, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the firstfruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now, he refers to Stephanus earlier when he's talking about the ones that he had baptized. Let me give you that as I read in the uh, first chapter. In verse 16, he says, I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. When Paul is talking about those that he had baptized, he says, I don't know how many, but he says, I do remember that I baptized all the household of Stephanus. And here they're uh, pointed out as being... Uh, ones that uh, Paul respects, and they're the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ, and they prove to be real helpers. In verse 16, notice what he says, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us and labor. They helped in, in the gospel. They were real helpers. And it says in verse uh, 17, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and uh, Fortunatus and a chaos for that which was lacking on your part they have supplied said i'm glad they've come they're not only helpers physically and not only helpers in the work but they're helpers as far as their liberality is concerned that what you fail to supply and he's speaking to the church at corinth remember he says they they made up they they took care of it what was lacking on your part they supplied suppose paul was there the church was giving them just half enough to get by on and these others came in, and they were pretty well off in the household of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaeus. It says, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. They were generous in what they possessed. And you find that that's the case many times. We find that there are people that are well off that are able to, to help the church, and they do. It's like we had two or three this week, and we have uh, consistently those on the outside of the church that come in and help us. Because they, they love the church and they tell others about it and they're willing and they supply help supply our needs. Well, God will bless them for it. And God is blessing us through them that take such interest. God would bless the house of Stephanus and Fortunatus and this other one because of supplying Paul's needs. Verse 18, For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Not only are they a blessing to me, but they're a blessing to you. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. The church ought to acknowledge those that are generous in their efforts and that are that are helpers in any way, whether it's helpers by helping in financial ways or by helping in uh, in uh, the work there in the church. We ought to acknowledge all of those that have a part. And now he moves to another couple of people in verse 19. If you'll notice, Paul is showing us his close friends at the end of this letter to the Corinthians. He says, the churches of Asia salute you. He says, Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. Here you have Aquila and Priscilla. They turned out to be such good Christians that they had established a church. And for lack of a building, they had the church in their own house. In those days, they didn't have so many church buildings like we have. They had the synagogues. It was a transition period. They were coming to the place that, 
And now we know that all the members of a church now in most of our houses couldn't get in the in the whole house together and they'd be scattered from the kitchen to the bedroom, wouldn't they? So you'd have to have a building big enough for the church to assemble. But in those days, in starting a church, they sometimes started in the house. Maybe they had a large house and were able to have quite a few in it. But regardless, through the period of years, we've come to have buildings to meet in. This building is not the church, it's the church house, we call it, or the church building, where the church meets. And the church are the ones that are called out saints, the called out assembly, and they had a church that was established in their house. But if you'll notice verse 19, the earlier part says, The churches of Asia salute you. We don't know how many churches then had already made uh, a place where they could meet, buildings already where they could meet and were separate from houses, had certain meeting places. And not only the churches of Asia salute you, but Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. And he says, all the brethren greet you. My, what a wonderful ending to this letter to the church at Corinth that they would have so many people that were concerned about them. He, he speaks of Timotheus, he speaks of Apollos, he speaks of the household of Stephanus, and then all the churches of Asia, and then Aquila and Priscilla, and all the church in their house saluting them, and then all the brethren greet you. And he says, you greet one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Verse 21, the salutation of me, Paul, with mine own hand. He says, I've written this with mine own hand. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema maranatha. Now, what that means is Paul was pronouncing a curse upon all who do not love the Lord Jesus Christ. Let him be cursed. And then he says in verse 23, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he says, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. I think that we'll let that suffice for a lesson tonight. I'd hate to start in and get just started in Second Corinthians, so we'll pick that up in our next study. And I believe it will be a better and more complete lesson. So we thank you for your kind attention. And let's stand together for just a word of prayer, please.